Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello, welcome back to another episode. I just wanted to do something kind of different and fun since I usually only do previews and recaps of UFC uh, pay-per-views that I am able to watch. Uh, I wanted to do just something, like I said, different, something that I uh, usually don't do. Uh, I wanted to do an episode of predicting the champions at the end of 2024. I'll obviously just keep this document until, you know, December 31st or the last pay-per-view or whatever event that we have at the end of 2024 in the UFC uh, and see if I was right, wrong, anything may have you. Um, Just something different. I read the article the other day from ESPN. I saw uh, a couple podcasts were doing the same thing. I thought, why not go through, kind of do my thoughts as well. Um, so we'll go through and do that specifically UFC though, not entirety of MMA, like one Bellator PFL and all the other promotions, just specifically UFC, um, start off with one piece of news that did just come out yesterday. Conor McGregor announced that on new year's Eve yesterday, recording this on new year's day. So happy new year. Um, but Conor McGregor announced that he would be returning on June 29th to face Michael Chandler during international fight week in Las Vegas. Although he did say the fight would be taking place at middleweight, which was like, this dude's got to be on the juices and sitting at like 215 or 225 right now to say that. But Chandler's already been open saying he would fight him at whatever weight he wanted. So I guess we're uh, going to see Conor McGregor fight at 185 in June. So that'll be something else to see. But anyways, we'll get to the main point of the episode, which is champion's end of the year. Uh, basically the premise of this, I'll list the champions in each division and then I'll go over the fighters that I expect to like either challenge for the title, be in the title mix, at least shoot up the rankings and try to lay claim to a title shot by the end of the year. Uh, you know, before, and then at the end of this, I'll pick who I think actually will end up wearing the strap when it's all said and done. Like I said, whether it's a pay-per-view, a fight night, whatever, at the end of the year, we'll look back on this and see how accurate I was, but We'll start with the men's weight classes. Start at the very tippity top, the heavyweight division. Current champion is uh, John Jones. A few names I threw out for this one, kind of looked into. Number one has to be Tom Aspinall, the interim champ right now. Aspinall tore his ACL against Curtis Blades in July of 2022, and since then it was a first-round knockout win over Martin Tibura and first-round knockout win over Sergey Pavlovich to claim the interim crown. Uh combined fight time of something like two and a half minutes in both of those fights Aspinall won the interim title but uh, one per one might wonder what that means as John Jones versus Stipe Miocic seems like the promotion's ideal fight while it's rumored that uh, Alex Pajeda was rumored to be an opponent for Aspinall at UFC 300 at heavyweight uh, Pajeda coming up from middleweight to win the light heavyweight title and now after one fight light heavyweight uh Aspinall welcoming him up to the heavyweight division but my question for that fight specifically would be would that fight be for the interim heavyweight title and if not it's just an exhibition or whatever does Aspinall stay the next contender in line regardless of the outcome because what if Pajeda walks in and just knocks him out cold that'd be my only concern for Aspinall on that one next up I had Jailton Almeida listed at ranked seventh right now in the heavyweight division Almeida's 5-0 in his last five fights, making it look easy with submission, knockout, and decision victories over the top contenders like Derek Lewis and Jarzinho's Biggie Boy Rosenstrike. Almeida has a fight booked against Curtis Blades 
coming up. Should he win that match, I'd think it's Almeida in line for a title eliminator, eliminator, easy for me to say, or a title shot for his next bout. Some honorable mentions uh, as well. Cyril Ghosn, one win and having a champion not named John Jones ahead of him would lead to Ghosn having another chance at the title. No one else would really be there to lay claim besides the ones that are going to be fighting for the title next. Also, Stipe Miocic, this one just literally because the UFC is dying for him to fight John Jones, which means if Jones has the belt, Miocic could win the belt, and then by the end of the year, you know, still have the belt. No matter how unlikely I think that is, personally, it's a possibility, so I had to at least mention it. But my pick to be the champion at the end of 2024 for the UFC heavyweight division is Tom Aspinall. My thoughts on this division this year is that Jones versus Miocic happens and both guys end up retiring, whether it's due to injury, uh, going out on a loss, not having anything else to accomplish. Like John Jones might say, I beat the greatest heavyweight of all time, I'm the greatest light heavyweight of all time, and I'm the greatest of all time, blah, blah, blah. And Miocic might say, it's going to take too long for me at this age to get back to a title shot, I'm done. Which would leave Tom Aspinall as the interim title holder fighting someone like Cyril Gaon, Jelton Almeida, Someone in that kind of range for the undisputed title. And I think he wins really against like anyone in the division right now. Like Jilton Almeida might be the most nightmarish opponent for anybody. But it's not like he can't get got. So I'll take Tom Aspinall to be the heavyweight champion at the end of 2024 in the UFC. Next up at light heavyweight, like I kind of mentioned earlier, Alex Bejeda is the current champion. few fighters, a couple fighters I listed as real possibilities. Jamal Hill currently ranked as the number one contender in the division. Sweet Dreams hasn't fought since winning the light heavyweight title in January of 23, defeating Glover Teixeira by decision after a run of three straight knockout victories before that. It's still been, or still to be seen, rather, who he fights when he comes back for sure, but regardless, Hill's going to be top of the pile when Pajeda defends his belt next. Or if Pajeda goes to heavyweight to fight Aspinall, Hill could fight in an interim title bout to see who gets the next crack at the belt as well. Could see that happening too. Uh, next fighter I had as well, Magomed Ankalaev, ranked third right now. Ankalaev has a rematch against Johnny Walker, booked for the first UFC event of the year, uh, headlining the January 13th fight night card, meaning that he could end up being the top-ranked contender if he gets the win there. This comes after a controversial draw against Jan Blachowicz, where Jan even said Ankalaev deserved the belt after the fight. But he can't be denied much longer if he continues following the current trajectory. Honorable mention for this division, Yuri Prohaska. He just lost the belt, <laughs> but if anyone not named Alex Pajeda is holding the belt, he'd be one of the first people in line for the next shot with a win over like anybody else, setting him up to be the number one or two contender. The pick for me, Jamal Hill to be the light heavyweight champion. Anyone that can outgrapple Glover Teixeira over five rounds and knock out just about anybody else he's fought. He can do the same to just about anybody in the rest of the division. He's motivated to get back in the octagon. He's always at pay-per-views and fight nights whenever there's light heavyweights fighting on the main cards. Uh, he wants to take that belt back that he never really lost. Just because of injury, he had to vacate it. Middleweight current champion, Sean Strickland. Uh, first person that came up to mind, obviously, Drikas Duplessis. He's ranked second right now, and he's headlining the first pay-per-view of the year for a title shot. DDP could end up being the first and new champion in 2024. He's shown an ability to win fights with power, grappling, and just flat out outlasting his opponents. 
Duplessis was always known for his power before, but he had a limited amount of like breathing through his nose and had therefore lackluster cardio because of a deviated septum, uh, which he got fixed prior to his knockout win over Robert Whitaker in his last uh, fight. He looked much different and much more, uh, what's the word, uh, more, had much more stamina. They're all corrected on the fly. <laughs> the next person I had as the two, like the second of two picks, Hamzat Shemaev, ranked ninth right now in the middleweight division after moving up from welterweight. Hamzat's last fight was a majority decision over Kamaru Usman, but he's only just moved up to middleweight. He'll likely have, you know, only one or two more fights to win to claim a title shot. He's a big enough name, big enough draw. He'll just shoot to the front of the line. Fighters that are ranked ahead of him that I could see him actually being matched with would be someone like Marvin Vittori or Jared Cannonier. I would say Paolo Costa as well, but we've already tried that one at least once before, and it's just kept falling through. But I say Hamza has a real chance to be the champion at year's end. Honorable mentions for the middleweight division, Israel Adesanya. He's going to have to win another fight if Strickland holds serve and keeps the belt against Duplessis, but I wouldn't doubt that Izzy gets a shot at the title at least before the year is over. And the other one, Paolo Costa. Please don't laugh at me. <laughs> All I can say is that he's like one of the biggest heels in the UFC, uh, kind of like a Colby Covington where people are going to watch just to see if he gets beat up. That's going to sell tickets and pay-per-views alone. Money alone would be like the driving force for a title shot for Paolo Costa. But ultimately, my pick to be the middleweight champion at the end of 2024 is Hamzat Shumayev, because who beats him on the way up? He beat Kamaru Usman at middleweight and Gilbert Burns at welterweight. Uh, there's not really anyone in between him, excuse me, before he's going to get to the title that's ranked between him and number one. That makes me think, ooh, that's going to be a close fight. Ooh, that's going to be competitive. There's not anybody in that range. Like I said, Marvin Vittori would be someone that wouldn't get knocked out or beat up easily. Jared Cannonier would have knockout power and takedown defense, but like, I still just think Hamsat, the way he manhandled Kamaru Usman in the first round of that fight, you know he can do it to anybody, and as long as he can survive the rest of the fight, he's likely going to win just about any matchup he gets put in. We move now to the welterweight division. It's Leon Edwards, who is the current champion, and he said he's going to be defending his title against an unnamed opponent at UFC 300 in April, so that'll be fun to watch. Maybe it might be the people that I have listed right now. It's uh, Bilal Muhammad is my first one. He's ranked second in the division. The most deserving fighter, for sure. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on that one. And he's the last fighter to not have lost to Leon Edwards since Kamaru Usman in 2015. But Bilal doesn't have a fight booked right now and will likely be waiting on the sidelines for the title shot next. Probably not looking for another fight to risk losing the title shot. As someone who's not the most eccentric, he's not a trash talker, and literally nicknamed himself Remember the Name, he's earned the right to the next fight being a title shot with his nine-fight winning streak with, you know, the no contest to Edwards in the middle of that. But the personality and the fight style doesn't really make him appealing to fans, meaning that he's likely going to have to risk his win streak again to actually get his shot at the belt, which is crazy to think, but he's just not an exciting person, like outwardly. He's not crazy trash talker. He's not an exciting knockout artist or submission ace or anything like that. So he's probably going to have to get another victory unless he's magically getting the next title shot, which I don't think anybody expects. Namely because of the next person I have here, which is Shavkat Rachmanov, who's ranked third right now. 
He's 18-0 with 18 finishes, which is just a crazy record that seems like it shouldn't be possible. And then you watch the guy fight, and you completely understand how it's reasonable that it's happening. Rachmanov, he's elite on the ground and on the feet. Uh, he's more well-rounded than most fighters on the UFC roster in totality. And personally, I think Edwards and Bilal Muhammad are the best matchups for him to have a competitive fight in the division. And he'll likely be fighting them in his next two fights. Because let's assume... Let's say he gets the title shot against Leon at UFC 300. The next person that's getting a title shot is going to be Bilal Muhammad. There's no one else they can, uh, no one else they can put up there uh, without someone getting a crazy massive win. There's just not anybody that has a setup for that right now. So I think it's whoever of those top three is going to fight in the next two shots at the belt for the welterweight division. Uh, honorable mentions here: Gilbert Burns. He's one of the most dangerous fighters in the division. Uh, Leon Edwards may be just too good for him, but Gilbert is well-rounded and dangerous enough anywhere the fight could go that the fight between them would not be a boring one at the very least. The second one I mentioned, Ian Gary, please don't laugh at me again. Just the publicity alone from the Ian Gary fight would be something that the UFC wouldn't be able to look past if he wins you know, a fight or two before the fall. They'll likely try to set him up for a title shot because money simple as that my pick though for the ufc welterweight division to end at 2024 as the champion shavkat rachmanov he's gonna have to lose before i think this doesn't happen or at least you know not finish his wins every time he fights uh, he simply just looks too good in there not to capitalize on an opportunity if he's given to be a world champion moving down to the lightweight division where it's currently run by islam makashev Charles Oliveira, he's ranked first right now. This is the first guy that came to my mind. Oliveira just finished Benil Dariush and has only lost to Islam Makashev since 2017. The rematch fell through, though, and was replaced by Volkanovski coming back up to 155 to fight Islam again on short notice. The thing here that helps Oliveira is that Makashev seems set on moving up to welterweight to fight Leon Edwards and becoming a double champ. That leaves the door open for Oliveira to fight an interim bout, or maybe he's just waiting to be... Uh, as the number one contender for Islam when he returns to lightweight, but that's assuming he does go to welterweight and try to win that strap over Leon Edwards next. We'll have to see how that all plays out to see who he's even going to fight at lightweight next. Justin Gaethje is ranked second. That was my another one of my picks for this division. Gaethje just won the BMF belt against Dustin Poirier in July, and the rumor from some is that he's going to be defending the BMF belt against Max Holloway at UFC 300. That's according to Chael Sonnen. Gaethje would likely be favored in that matchup to win, and I would expect that by the end of the year, Gaethje is at the very least signed to fight for the lightweight title again. Armand Sarukian is ranked fourth right now. This is the third and final person I had a serious chance for. Sarukian is admittedly someone I never saw fight until he headlined, headlined the fight night card against Benil Dariush. But looking back on his fights and the stats from all the uh, bouts that he's had, he's the real deal, but he's another guy like Bilal Muhammad where the personality doesn't really lend himself to big money fights. And if people aren't even watching him because they don't know the name, they're not seeing the knockout artist, submission ace. He's crazy elite on the ground and on the feet. No one's going to know that, though, if they don't know uh, the, who he even is. Sarukian probably is going to have to win another fight or two just to be considered for a championship fight, especially considering you have names like Poirier, Chandler, and Fazeev still hanging around him in the division's rankings. Honorable mention for lightweight Dustin Poirier. He's always only ever going to be a fight or two away from a title shot right now, 
but I don't take it serious right now when we just saw him lose to Khabib. And Islam Makashev right now is a better striker and just about as solid on the ground as Habib was. I don't think Poirier has much of a shot there. The pick for me is Islam Makashev. I just don't see who beats him. It's really that easy for me. Maybe Oliveira is telling the truth when he says he was having an aberration and lost just to have his worst night against him in their first fight. So maybe he gets him back in the rematch. But Islam would almost certainly get a rematch and he's not going to lose a second time to the same person. So... I'll take Islam Makashev to rule the lightweight division. Moving down again, featherweights, Alexander Volkanovsky, the current champion. Arnold Allen, my first person I had up. I went in order of rankings, by the way, because Ilya Tapuri is on this list, and they are fighting, but he's ranked lower than Arnold Allen, who is third right now. Arnold Allen is as impressive as it gets in the division. He's extremely well-rounded, and he's coming off a loss to Max Holloway in April of 2023. That was his first loss since June of 2014. Allen has a fight booked at UFC 297 against Mavsar Evloev, who's ranked ninth, and that would solidify Allen standing in probably the top two in the division, meaning that Tapuria getting his shot at Volk, Arnold Allen would have a case to be the next in line for, excuse me, a shot at the belt. Um, Yeah, that's about all I got on that one, to be honest with you, especially if Max Holloway does fight for the BMF belt and loses, he knows he's only going to go down in the lightweight rankings. Arnold Allen likely could end up being the flat-out number one contender, depending how the title fight uh, plays out. Speaking of which, Ilya Tapuria, ranked fifth right now. Tapuria sitting at 14-0 professionally, and he hasn't just been winning fights, but just dominating them with 12 finishes in 14 fights. It's not the 100% finish rate like Shavkat, but it is still very impressive to see. Tapuria has the first crack at Volk at UFC 298, headlining the pay-per-view in the title fight as of right now, and with Volkanovski having lost to Islam Akasha by knockout last time out, and getting up there in age, I believe he's going to be 35 or 36 when this fight takes place, it's not the most unlikely thing to think Tapuria could leave the octagon and new. Honorable mention for the division, Josh Emmett. Coming off the knockout of the year against Bryce Mitchell, Emmett has the power in every punch thrown to generate excitement against everyone he would be matched up with and only really needs one or two wins to move up the rankings far enough to be able to earn his opportunity to call for a title shot. The pick for me, though, Alexander Volkanovsky. Tapuria is no pushover, but I think if Volk does lose but doesn't get dominated in the fight, Volk will get an immediate rematch just because of his long-standing top of the rankings champion status and I don't think he loses twice in his own division that he calls home Tapuria would really be the only other guy that I would consider to be holding the belt at the end of the year just because of how dominant he is in that division move down to bantamweight now Sean O'Malley right now sitting with the belt Marab Devalishvili is the first person that came to mind for me he's ranked second in the division Marab has a fight booked at UFC 298 against Henry Cejudo, and assuming that he takes care of business there, he's going to have no one in his way of a title shot unless his training partner, Aljamain Sterling, says he wants a rematch for the belt, which I can't imagine. That's where things get complicated, though. Sterling originally said when he had the belt that he would move up and vacate the title to give Marab a chance to become a world champion, but now that he's lost it... uh. Is it Marab who has to move up in weight class to challenge for a championship? Aljamain is scheduled to fight Calvin Cater in a featherweight bout at UFC 300, but like, if Aljo loses, is there something in his head that says he has to come back down to bantamweight to become a world champion again? Or does he maybe try to flesh it out at featherweight and still give Marab his chance at the belt like he promised? 
Then I had the thought of maybe Ilya versus Marab is a future featherweight title fight if Marab does have to move up to Georgians. I know Tapuria kind of uh, goes with the Spanish flag sometimes anyways. But uh, Ilya Tapuria versus Marab Philly Georgian on Georgian there. Corey Sandhagen was another one. He's ranked fourth right now. Uh, Sandhagen is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC personally. He's His last fight was at a catchweight against Rob Font in August, and the only people ahead of him in the rankings right now are Aljo, if he stays at bantamweight, who defeated him by submission in the first round of a title eliminator a few years ago, Marab Dvalishvili, who's fighting Cejudo, and Cejudo himself, who's fighting Rob Dvalishvili. So before you get to O'Malley with the belt, that's the only people that are between Sandhagen and being the champion. Corey's likely going to have to wait until those fights play out to see where he sits in the division, especially coming off a torn bicep surgery he had to have done. The first fight below him in the rankings that he hasn't already won is Davison Figueredo, who just moved up from flyweight. And you'd have to go outside of the top 10 before you find a fresh opponent for Sandhagen. So he's only looking up, only going to be challenging for the title. Sandhagen's future matchmaking, again, depends on the matchups playing out between uh, Sean O'Malley's title defense uh, against Cheeto Vera and the opening card of the year. We're probably not going to find anything out about Sandhagen and his next matchup until after the March pay-per-view. Third realistic option, quote-unquote, Song Yadong. He's ranked seventh right now. One of the most underrated fighters in the promotion. Uh, Yadong has the ability to fight from anywhere and at least make it competitive at the very least. Sometimes, you know, he's good. Do I think Song would be a long-term unstoppable champion? No, but I do think he could get himself going on a little run with the right matchmaking and get himself in a title fight and therefore have a shot to carry the strap especially since all he's going to do is develop and get better when he's only 26 years old. Some honorable mentions in the bantamweight division, Henry Cejudo, obviously fighting Marab. A win would put Henry in line for a title shot, just plain and simple. We know that he's capable of winning any match on his A game. It's only going to take him that one win against Marab to get a shot at the belt. Although I made that sound way easier than it's actually going to be. And, uh, yeah, that would, uh, that would, yeah, that's a lot easier than it said than done in that case. Cheeto Vera was the other honorable mention. He's getting the first shot at O'Malley and the belt this year. So he has the chance to prove that the fluky win over Sugar wasn't fluky and that he really is a better fighter. Carrying the strap out of Miami would signal that Cheeto, to me, is probably going to be fighting O'Malley in an immediate rematch to make the trilogy uh, occur in the summer, likely more more or less like three months, four months away from the original fight in March. But then O'Malley and him fighting again. The pick for me in the division is Sean O'Malley, though. I think Sugar beats Cheeto to start the year, redeeming the only loss that he has on his record, and then goes and fights the Marab Henry winner. Since both of those guys have beef with Sean, Marab stealing his jacket when they did the face-off with Aljo, and Henry uh, being called short all the time by Sean on Twitter and Instagram. Both of them have beef, both of them will be easier to sell, and whoever wins it likely having the shot at the belt. Maybe the year ends with him fighting Sandhagen in a third defense, health permitting, but I just don't see anybody there. I think Sandhagen honestly would be the best shot, maybe Marab to upset him we've just never seen O'Malley have to grapple more than just getting back to his feet so if he kept getting taken down by Marab does he try to throw submissions does he just try to get back to his feet how does he handle that stuff like that is what's going to make that fight and whether or not he can win it 
Flyweight, Alessandro Pantoja is the champion right now. Brandon Moreno obviously has to be top of the list. He's ranked first right now. Moreno hasn't lost to anyone that's not named Davison Figueredo or Alessandro Pantoja since August of 2017. He has two wins over Kai Car France and Davison Figueredo each. Also has a win over Brandon Royval since then, but has a record of 0-2 against Pantoja holding the belt. Moreno is 30 years old and hasn't had a fight shorter than three rounds since 2020. Going through wars and getting older leaves me wondering how much longer Moreno can actually continue challenging for the belt now. Moreno has a fight booked against Amir Albazi for a fight night in Mexico at the end of February, and that fight is going to tell us a lot about where Moreno is, and I don't think a win gets him a title shot in his next fight as long as Pantoja is holding the belt. Kai Kara France ranked fourth right now. Kara France, he's on a two-fight losing streak, but he still sits in the top five of the division, and that's just the resume that he's built up and how he's just threatened knocking people out or submitting them lower in the division. He just sits at the top even when he's losing. Um, but yeah, he's he's only ever been challenged, knocked down, defeated by Royval and um, Moreno, both guys that are above him, third and first right now in the rankings. Um, yeah, Albazzi as well, who's ranked second. He's only lost to the guys that are sitting in the top three of the rankings. It doesn't mean that he can't have a spectacular showing in his next fight and be right back in the conversation for a title shot in the future, though. And then the last one I gave the real shot to was Manel Cape, who's ranked sixth. Uh, Cape, he's, he's booked to fight Mateus, Matthews Nicolau, sorry, on the first fight night card of the year in January. The winner of that match likely going to be the next to fight like a title eliminator kind of bout. Uh, I'd imagine it's against Kai Car France or the winner of Moreno Albazzi. Cape is someone who the analysts and former fighters like Michael Bisbing think has a bright future. Although I'd point out he's the same age as Moreno and doesn't have nearly the resume of the former champ, Cape's going to need to be impressive in his next outing to put his name in the real championship conversations. Honorable mentions in this division, Amir Albazzi beating Moreno would set him up for a title shot, plain and simple. There's no other real discussion needed here for this one. And Mohamed Makayev, he's one of the fastest rising newcomers and future stars in the whole promotion. So if he gets a highlight real finish or two, it's not unfathomable that Makayev is fighting for the strap at the end of the year. The pick, though, for me is Alessandro Pantoja. The heavy hitters in this division have fallen by the wayside on his way to the title. That doesn't mean there aren't guys who could challenge or even beat him, but Pantoja has looked too good and too sharp on his rise to the belt to go down in his first few defenses. All right, let's move to the women's side. We'll go from women's bantamweight and heaviest down to the lightest. Uh, the belt right now in the bantamweight division for the ladies is vacant. As Amanda Nunes just retired. Goodness me, English not strong today. Juliana Pena, she's ranked first right now. She fought Amanda Nunes for the title in back-to-back -back fights, winning the first by submission heard around the world and losing the second by or de decision. English is just really, really rough today. Um, hasn't hasn't really been heard from since though. So like the question is going to be, is Pena still motivated to go out and fight now that she's achieved that ultimate goal of winning a world title? Or does she return fresh and motivated for a title chase and look better than ever? Myra Buena Silva is another one. She's ranked third. Myra's on a four-fight win streak, except she's not really because she tested positive for a drug test after her last fight and had her win over Holly Holm overturned to a no contest, even though she said that the substance that popped came up from came from her ADHD medication. Regardless of that or how bad I'm speaking right now, 
She is fighting for the title at UFC 297, so she at least has the chance to be holding the belt first this year. This is one of those divisions where without the dominant champ, Amanda Nunes, there's not really anyone elite or way up above everybody else in this division. Next, I had Irene Aldana. She's ranked fifth right now. Having just fought at UFC 297, Aldana is likely high on the board for a fight, like to fight for the title again after losing only to Amanda Nunes in her retirement fight for the title and winning a fight of the year candidate against Carol Hosa last time out. Aldana has a super strong boxing and super strong chin in the division, but we really haven't seen her tested enough on the ground to know if she's a one-trick pony or if she is someone that could face and beat the entire division. Honorable mentions here, Raquel Pennington, for the same reason as Myra Buena Silva, one of the two is going to start the year off with the belt around their waist, meaning that they're going to have at least one or two fights throughout the year to defend it and make it to the end of the year, so why not another woman who already is fighting for the belt? Holly Holmes, another one, yes, she's old, and yes, she's got to be done soon, but it always feels like Holly Holm is only one or two wins away at most from a title shot, especially now that her last fight was overturned from a loss to just a no contest. Last one, someone might not expect, Valentina Shevchenko. Maybe, just maybe, does Valentina Bullet Shevchenko think that cutting weight to fight some younger and faster foes isn't worth it, when she could just keep an extra 10 pounds on her and fight some of the same old guard of the women's MMA that she's been better than for her entire career? Like she's never been considered less than Holly Holm or Raquel Pennington. Always been considered better than Juliana Pena. Like Myra Buena Silva and Irene Aldana, relatively newer faces, but Valentina's been considered better than them. So maybe does she just move up in weight class and go for it now that Nunez is gone? The pick though for me, Irene Aldana. Uh, personally here, Aldana, like I said, she has the chin to withstand any boxing or stand-up matches. She's shown an ability to get back to her feet and escape submission attempts and grapple fests against anyone not named Amanda Nunes. I think she gets another shot and wins before getting a defense or two down, maybe retiring in the next few years. She definitely has the potential for that at the very least. Whether or not she does it, well, we're going to have to wait and see, and that's the fun thing about it. Women's flyweight right now, it's Alexa Grasso, who is the champion. Valentina Shevchenko is ranked first. Bullet would have to be on everyone's list as one of the best active female fighters, and of all time, of course. But her last two fights against Alexa Grasso, the submission loss and the draw, and the near loss to Tyla Santos before, have shown her slowing down inevitably with age. Valentina seems set on fighting for the belt and proving that she's still the best in the world. But between her age and the rapid uprising of youth talent in the division, excuse me, one would think that she may only really have one shot left before she calls it a career. Aaron Blanchfield is ranked second in the women's flyweight division. This is one of those young talents I just mentioned. Blanchfield has a fight booked at the end of March on a fight night card against Manon Firo. Firo? And personally, I think the winner of that has the next claim to a title shot. Blanchfield specifically having won five straight against likes of Miranda Maverick, Jessica Andrade, and Tyla Santos shows just how real of a prospect she is and just how easy it is to picture her being the next Shevchenko or Nunez, where the belt's wrapped around her waist for years to come. Third pick here, Macy Barber. She's ranked seventh right now. She's booked to fight uh, Caitlin Sermonara, formerly Chukagian, who's ranked fourth at UFC 299 in March. That fight could propel Barber into the top three to five in the division by the time it comes around. 
Barber was seen as the future and made that her nickname before she tore her ACL and lost back-to-back fights against Roxanne Modafferi and Alexa Grasso, but the skills and talent that were so promising before are showing back up in spades now. Honorable mention for this division, Manon Firo. Fighting Aaron Blanchfield won't be an easy test and won't just be something you can just get a win out of, but should she win, Manon Firo would jump to the front of the line behind maybe only Valentina Shevchenko for the next title shot. My pick to end the year with the women's flyweight title is Erin Blanchfield, though. As of yet, we haven't really seen a weakness to her game, and she's only 24 years old, which is terrifying to think that someone who already looks significantly better than everyone in her division is only going to get better for the next, you know, four to six years before she hits her athletic prime. Absolutely terrifying prospect right there. Then we move to the last division I have on my board, which is the women's strawweight. Zhang Weili is the champ right now. Yan Xiaonan, first one that I have listed as a challenger. She's ranked second right now and coming off a knockout win over Jessica Andrade. The only logical step for the UFC for this fight financially and looking at the rankings is to have Yan Xiaonan and Zhang Weili fight on a card in China. You know, like their home country, both of them. Xiaonan isn't like the most well-known of fighters in the promotion, even the division. But ranking her second behind only the most recent champ in Carla Esparza tells me that the company has clear intentions of matching her and Zhang Weili up for a match, like a fight, title shot. And therefore, Yan has a chance to win the strap and likely would face Weili in a rematch should she win the first fight. Second up, I had Tatiana Suarez, who's ranked third. This is the most interesting case, though, because when healthy, Suarez has shown the ability to win on the feet and on the mat against anyone in the division throughout her career. The health is what's failed her most often, though. Only fighting twice in 2023 and not since 2019 before that. She does have a fight booked against Amanda Lemos at UFC 298, which a win would make me feel like she puts herself in line for the title shot next, whether that's ahead of Yan if they don't have a fight booked between Xiaonan and Wei Li, or if she just jumps straight to fighting Wei Li for the belt. Honorable mention in this division. Amanda Lemos just mentioned her. She'd have to beat Tatiana Suarez to get the shot this year. But I think in the same breath, a win over Tatiana Suarez says that you're just as good, if not better, than anyone else that's in the division and could challenge for the title. The pick for me, Zhang Weili. There's a possibility that Weili jumps up to 125 and tries to become a double champ. And what in the history has that meant for people jumping up to double down on their gold? They're much better than everyone else in their division. I think she's going to reign supreme at year's end and keep the strap on her waist. That's all I've got for this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed just something different. I didn't really, uh, I wasn't really planning on waiting until the end of January, a complete month off from UFC with anything. So I just wanted to put something else out there, something different. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I know everybody else is doing one, just kind of my perspective on what I think, looking at all the fighters who has a realistic shot, um, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed. I will be talking to you when we get to UFC 297 Strickland versus Duplessis the middle of this month. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.